Welcome to the Emerging Purpose Podcast. This is episode four. Yes, we are back. We are happening. When I say we, I mean me, Greg Donaldson. (laughs) So welcome to the episode. Hope you've had a good week. It's been a strange old week for me, to be honest. We're in the middle of deep, dark November. And the last week of November, I have been sick as a dog, feeling really rough. And uh, I had to actually go to bed for the whole weekend, uh, which was actually quite pleasurable, to be honest. I ended up watching uh, Game of Thrones, the first couple of seasons, yet very late to the party. Uh, Interestingly, the last two interviewees I've talked about Game of Thrones and so um, it was definitely in my psyche as something that I needed to watch because I've heard it's been so good. I don't know why I didn't watch it. I just felt kind of rebellious and also felt like, oh, God, there's just too much. I just, I don't know. I just haven't got the time to go there. I haven't got the time to spend watching Game of Thrones. And anyway, so it took for me to get a good head flu cold thing in order to like sit down and really just delve into that world. And I must say, it's pretty brilliant. I mean, it's pretty brilliant. I mean, the first couple of seasons are a little bit brutal towards women. Uh, You know, I don't know what happened at the time. I realized it was 2010 when the first season must have come out. And I was thinking, wow, this is like, there must have been a backlash at the time about how kind of violent it was. Anyway, uh, by season three, it seems to mm, not particularly have calmed down, but certainly not as much brutality in that area. Anyway, I'm pretty hooked on that now, so I've gone deep into it. Um, What have you been up to? How are you doing? What's going on? Are you enjoying your life? Are you happy? Are you depressed? Are you feeling stressed about Christmas? Oh, God. I tell you what, I've just found this brilliant book, How to Get Things Done. You know, because I'm one of these people who I just write out my to-do list and I just have this list of things that I randomly tick off, but I never particularly get it all done. And uh, I was talking to my friend Daisy Campbell. She was telling me about this book, How to Get Things Done. And I thought, okay, all right, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. So I read it. And it turns out there's an app, and I'm not I'm not sponsoring this app. I'm not sponsoring this book, but I'm, what I'm realizing is that it's so, such a brilliant way to uh, make things happen in your life, and uh, it's all to do with projects. Anyway, I won't say any more about it. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just keep doing the test run in my life, and um, I'll let you know how I get on with that. But at the moment, it seems pretty cool. It seems to be a nice way of working with things. So Kate is an actor and theatre producer, and she's also now a singer and songwriter. She was a long-standing member of Ken Campbell and Daisy Campbell's 24-hour epic, The Warp, and she was a producer in the company Mycelium that put on a production of Daisy Campbell's Cosmic Trigger back in 2016. So she's definitely a woman of many talents. 
So Kate, I met 30 years ago at drama college. We went to drama college together and, you know, we've had various times in and out of each other's lives, but we've always been very close. And, um, you know, over the past couple of years, I haven't seen her so much, but, you know, there's always a great respect and love for Kate there. And, um, and I just thought it'd be really lovely to have her on the podcast. Every now and then I bump into her, like when we're up on the uh, golf course, not playing golf, but walking dogs on the golf course up in uh, Hollingbury Golf Course in Brighton. And uh, I keep bumping into Kate up there recently. And I just said to her, would you like to come and chat to me on my podcast? I'd really love to hear about what you're up to. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of knew what she was up to. She'd been... Um, uh, calling herself a dream tender but I wasn't quite sure what that meant so we get into that stuff and we get into uh how she thinks about creativity and what she's up to creatively we get into social dreaming and the dreaming matrix and we just have a really nice conversation and I think it went really well so um I'm going to start this episode with a little excerpt from a song that she uh, came up with. And at the end of the podcast, I've added a little voice note that she sent me about the background to the song. So throughout the podcast, you're going to hear this song. And, uh, and then at the end, you'll hear a little bit more information about it. But here we go. Uh, please enjoy the next hour or so. Here is me talking to Kate Alderton. Keep coming here to this time, to this place. She's dressed in gold, tattooed in hope and grace. She's here to go, she's here to go. She's here to go creatively recently so creative I'm a real mixed bag creatively at the moment so I am my my long-term mission is to make this piece called the ancestor which is uh, a, I think a one-person show about uh, you know a woman very like me, uh, encountering for the first time an artist called Leonora Carrington, who was a surrealist artist wow. who I'm really inspired by, who's kind of a sort of haunting muse in my world. How, so I'm how did she? How did you come across her? 
She, uh, a very good friend, Alistair Fruish, who is the sort of, uh, he's like a pot of gold of everything. He's, he he comes with great offerings of things to investigate. I and know actually, Alistair is brilliant, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's amazing. So he gave, he sent me a picture of her and she strangely looked really like me as a young woman. And so he said, doesn't, you know, how extraordinary this, this artist looks like you. And so I started looking at her work and uh, became completely bewitched and and enchanted by her and at the time she wasn't nearly as uh, in the cultural sphere as she is now so oh. she she'd been quite hidden and so this was a kind of rabbit hole that you that or something that she appeared to you through Alistair and yeah then you followed down that rabbit hole far down far far down and, and there's got no to this <laughs> point where it's kind of like I need to write a one-woman show yeah so yeah, t- uh, yeah, about her life and about how it integrates in in all lots of people's lives, but particularly in looking at women and wildness and madness and. Uh, Forgive my ignorance. Yeah. So who is she? So what, Leonora Carrington is a. Uh, she's she died in two thousand sixteen, but she was a surrealist artist. Um, uh, uh, one one of the one of the people that was a, a contemporary of Dali and Frida Kahlo and ah. Max Ernst. She was very young at the time, and uh, she emigrated to Mexico, mm-hmm. having had a real um, what's the word for it? Like a breakthrough breakdown as a very young woman. Um, where she was taken away to a psychiatric unit oh. and given very strong antipsychotic drugs and uh, against her will and then escaped that experience and went to Mexico and became this extraordinarily pr- prolific surrealist artist mm. and was very well known over there. But what I'm really interested in, in terms of her work, you know, she's magic realism and surrealism. She worked a lot with Dream. Uh-huh. Um is would she have been uh, sent as a young woman to a place like that now? So I'm interested in how women and uh, wildness was mistaken for or chosen yeah. to be seen through the lens of madness. Yeah, well, I suppose there's a th- it's, that's the problem we sort of face in society, isn't it? In terms of like, what mm. do we do with the people that are having spiritual emergency? Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's interesting. There's a, a guy called Dr. Tim Reed who is um, I've heard talk about, you know, the sort of idea that actually these asylums that used to be, that used to exist in the country um, were there for people to go and have these kind of experiences Mm. and not actually necessarily be medicated or drugged or they were just given asylum in Mm. these kind of beautiful manor houses to go and and be held safely, you know, and actually, so it's a kind of question for society, isn't it? Because we have like these psych wards that are, Mm. Yeah, put them in there and medicate them up, and that's kind of all we can do. Mm-mm. But anyway, yeah. So, so wow. it's so it's you know that that idea of you know is it okay to be wild? Is it okay to go mad? You know, from a from a a wider perspective, from an ecological and climate perspective, yeah. I'm interested in the sort of intersection between what happens when. Uh, we become afraid of our wildness, yep. both in our inner worlds, in our you know our wild psyches, our wild bodies, our, the hair on our bodies, particularly for women. So is, the is animalistic yeah. side of ourselves. Yeah. And how does that how does that reflect in the outer world? You know where we start to try and contain and 
and tame nature. Yeah. And so I'm interested Sanitized. in yeah, yeah, what what that does to our planet when we don't let the wildness in, when we don't respect it. What does it, it do to our planet? Well, it's not going well. You no, know. it's not we're looking a, good, is it? We're in a difficult state. And while we try and homogenise and uh, uh, contain crops and uh, and tame and not be in relationship with the wildness of the living yeah. planet that we're on. Yeah. You know. Wow. So yeah. how to make that into one woman show? I still I have no idea. <laughs> how do you do it? But I'm, you know, I'm 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 slowly pulling pieces of that puzzle together and I'm working a bit with Jeremy Stockwell who's oh, yeah. uh, you know an amazing uh, theatre maker, works very visually. I I think very visually. Yeah. Uh, when I'm thinking about making theatre and worked with Daisy on some scripts structure who's been really instrumental in helping me kind of order some of the the wild chaos of the things that I'd like to try and communicate yeah. through the piece so so what's your process I mean I mean you've explained a bit of it there but mm. it's kind of like so there's I mean what do you do just in terms of writing you sit down and write or do you go and act act something or what, what I mean, yes yes all of those things <laughs> I'm really discovering my process because I haven't oh, yeah. made my own piece of work before uh-huh. so I'm really exploring what works and what I'm noticing is that I think really I think visually I don't have a internal monologue so I don't have a voice in my head you don't no I was talking to someone about that yesterday actually there's a what's the percent someone said there's like a sort of 50 50 percentage of people who don't but I couldn't I was like what are you absolutely joking I was astonished to find out last year that people do you know, I re- I just read an article by s- or someone on Twitter saying, uh, "Oh, I've just you know I've just I've just found out that there are people that don't have an internal monologue." And I looked at that and thought, "People have an internal monologue? <laughs> oh what?" So, so I you d- don't have nothing that voice in your head that is commentating on everything. Nothing. Oh my God, that must be a relief. Well, you would don't know anything different. Well, it's a sort Do you of. You still have an internal critic. Oh yeah. So how does it turn up though? Like in pictures. Somatically oh. or uh in pictures or a fit like a feeling of yeah. Like you've done something wrong. Yeah, or... it's it they're, they're rather than you know a, a script that's running it's yeah. like a whole pile of feeling. Oh um, my god. That's so, quite incredible to think about. I can't quite conceive it because I suppose it's the other yeah. way around for you. Like why how would it be to have a voice in your head all the time? I can't imagine how that would be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think certainly in some of the work that I do, it's a real gift because if I'm in doing listening, I do listening work in a couple of different ways. Mm. And it means I don't, there isn't a, <laughs> I don't listen. have a chatter or a planner. I mean, so, yeah. you know, I, I have distracting feelings and all sorts of things going on. I'm not, it doesn't make me, in a, 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 you know, like any sort of, clear total clear channel (laughs) but it definitely I think it helps with that part of my working practice yeah so you can kind of get out of your own way and you want to listen what are the listening things you do so the two things I'm doing at the moment so I work I've got a lot I'm a real sort of hodgepodge worker yeah well this is interesting (laughs) that's why I'm interested because it's you know this is about kind of how creative process and passion and eros mm. and what motivates us mm. and so so i'm i'm getting the sense already that there's a kind of 
I don't know, like uh, I, I sort of see, uh, I guess, uh, pollination, bees and going, you know, in terms of your life, mm-hmm. something about like there's many flowers. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's a good It's picture. a good image, isn't it? That's it's not good. A... Yeah, that's a very active image. I like that. Yeah, there's lots of flowers, but they're definitely a lot. They're all linked, I think. Okay. I think they all have quite a They're a in the thread. same garden. <laughs> they're in the same garden, or they've certainly got the same telos, or if that, is that the right word? They've got, yes. They've got something, yeah. They're all growing towards something yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things I do is I work um, as a facilitator for mostly NHS uh, people working in the palliative oh, yeah. sector. And I facilitate advanced communication skills training. Mm-hmm. And so we work, we do a lot of one-to-one work before the courses we run, really working through the challenges that people in that field are. Yeah, big challenges. Um, huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, huge. And working with things like Nancy Klein. I don't know if you've come Nancy across Klein, her work. No. So she's, her practice is, um, she wrote a book called Time to Think. All right. So she, one of my favourite quotes of hers is, the most valuable thing we can offer each other is the space to think. Mm. And uh, and her second book was, is called The Promise That Changed the World, I Won't Interrupt You. Mm. Which I think is a re- you know it's really simple, but it's actually a really radical practice to just listen. It really is. It's uh, well, it's an interesting one because very recently, you know, my own psychotherapy practice, I actually got better at. I want to interrupt. I need to interrupt you <laughs> because otherwise, you're just going to sit here and tell me your story, oh. and you're going to carry on telling me your same story. Yeah. But I guess it's a different, sort of slightly different um, lens. Yeah. In terms of what you're doing. Anyway, yeah. Well, that's, so that's interesting. You know, it's, you yeah. know, it, I guess, I think, you know, from a perspective, of course, it's really important to, inter- you know, eventually and ask people. She calls them incisive questions. So questions that really help people think. Right. You know, so what, you know, what if you weren't going, if you weren't thinking that this would happen, what what might you decide to do? So, it's yeah. you know, it's it's not never interrupting. Although she does have a practice where she just sits and says, and what else are you thinking? And what else? And what else? You know. So it's kind of a bit like, oh, this is a bit jumping around a bit, but it's like a, the Meisner technique maybe in acting Absolutely. where you sort of just say the same thing, yeah. say the same thing, yeah. say the same line yeah. and just keep noticing the truth, Yeah. how it, how it kind of comes through in each, each time. And yeah. reaching deeper levels of, you know, in that I'm always, you know, somewhere in the back of my somatic pictorial mind, I'm often connecting everything back to dreams. But, mm-hmm. you know, reaching deeper levels by continuing to be curious and excavating and not just assuming people have reached the edge of their thinking because they've answered the first layer right. of questions. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's the, you know, so with the, with the people that work in healthcare that I work with in that way it's it's a really it's a really lovely practice to be in amazing yeah because I suppose that's the thing isn't it it's like everything in healthcare must be like sort of time and money but actually to take that space and kind of go and and what else yeah and what else and kind of give either healthcare practitioners that time Mm. to tune into their own experience of what they're offering Mm. um but also for them to be able to think about how their communications are sort of landing yeah. Rather than just them being, getting on with their job, doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're kind of working with with people to explore how they can be with people who are, 
dying or newly diagnosed yeah. or um, our relatives uh, of people th that are in real, real dire straits to, to be able to be with that uncertainty with the discomfort of the feelings that come with all of those things without feeling like they need or can or have to fix everything because sometimes mm -hmm. that can't you know what how people are feeling it can't it can't be solved, can't be solved but it can fixed. be heard yeah yeah and that's the bit that i find really extraordinary is when you get into that field yeah where you just have the capacity to be with what is in the room between two people yeah i think it's incredibly transformative and really um, absolutely i totally agree i mean that's you know, the the what I kind of how I see psychotherapy. Have you have you seen this Netflix thing recently? Stutz. No. That's oh, really interesting. Jonah Hill makes documentary about his therapist, and his therapist is brilliant because he's because he he's he basically um, has this approach that um, kind of I don't know. It sort of gets under under the usual. Um, idea of psychotherapy being someone who just sits that you just come and dump your shit on mm. someone you know what I mean actually, actually it's like no this is an interactive process but let's just agree that it's not about being fixed up front that like one of the you know the one sort of thing that he puts out front is like we all have pain we all have uncertainty and we all have to continually work mm. so if you can get on board with that then actually it's more about like how you conceive your life rather than this place that you're heading mm. that's going to be that when I get this and when I get that I'll be okay it's like no 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 that's bullshit mm. <laughs> so Amazing. anyway Stut. Stutz. Stutz. Yeah, yeah 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 it's really interesting I dive in and it's quite goes quite meta but anyway um yeah so so you do that work and um, and then you were saying that it's sort of it, everything that you do at the moment leads you back to the dreaming. So what 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 do you mean by that? I suppose what, what do I you do with dreaming. So what I was thinking about when I when I said that I think was like what was I thinking? Let me just see if I can follow my own thread. With no <laughs> internal monologue. This is the beauty of having no internal monologue. I sort of have to catch it. From somewhere out in the universe, a bit like trying to catch a dream, um, like an image. Yeah, so that yeah, that's a good word for me to land on. So I think when we were talking about, um, uh, I'm noticing I've got my eyes closed now because I'm talking about dreaming. When we were talking about, uh, re you know, getting to different layers of thinking yeah. by asking what else, what else, yes, not yes. assuming people have reached the edge of their thinking. Yes, that that that. that reminded me that that's what I love most about uh, a particular way of working with dreams where uh, you don't settle you know if you have a dream image or a dream person you don't settle on a particular interpretation so you don't mm -hmm. necessarily say you know uh, you know that that's the C and so that's my emotion so that's right, it that's right. nicely tied up I've done I went that to the one. dentist and that must mean I'm, I'm worried about money yeah 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 because it has a kind of it's it's it it's it has a calcifying effect on a it can do on a dream or an image yep. so you don't go further into investigating what that might hold yeah beautiful so let's just back up a little bit yeah 
how did you get into dreams? What What's your interest in... How, where was your interest in dreams sparked? That's so big. Um, it all started a long, long time ago. Um, I, I mean, I think I've always been a dream... You know, I've always had a very, very deep, rich, active dream life. Have you? Like since forever, since really? I was really little, I had massive dreams when I was really little, huge dreams that I can still feel and really? see as wow. if they happened yesterday. Mm. So I suppose they've always been an, an ally as I've walked through life. Yeah. Dreamed through life. She's here to go. Um, She's here to go. She's here to go. We're here to go. In terms of a journey, it's like, yeah, I'm a human being. I've always dreamed. Yeah, I've kind yeah. of always found... You've always found dreams in, important in some way. Yeah, like, I think I've always what, found what dreams. What the hell is this world that opens up when we go to sleep? Yeah. Like, and, you know. and I think in my 20s, um, you know, when we... Obviously, we've known each other for a very long yeah, time. Yeah. And in my 20s, you know, I started to get... Have some really huge experiences around uh, dreaming things that have having the precognitive dreaming experiences that I just couldn't explain that for, some of them were very humdrum yeah um and some of them were quite uh overwhelmingly accurate in really big ways really? with people who died who I didn't really know who like precognition sort of yeah yeah so I think that kind of that really opened up my eyes to or, or certainly really sparked my curiosity to think to you know what, what what is this what is that space what what is actually happening is that mm. this seems to be more than just my kind of local field of internal processing and uh, my own psyche and whatever it is that's going on in my day-to-day because -day, it felt much wider and um, do you mean in terms of like the collect like Jung would call the collective unconscious yeah so there's yeah. like something bigger that we're all attached to in yeah. some way yeah yeah I think my experiences with some of the dreams I had in my 20s certainly gave me a sense of a wider map mm -hmm. that I seem to be accessing at night time yeah um so I've explored it in lots of different ways but I suppose it might maybe if I talk a bit about where should I talk a bit about what where I'm at now? where you're at now yeah 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 what, what do you yeah what do you how do you work with do you work I mean you work with dreams yeah, yeah. I mean I suppose like, I think I'm a kind of um uh a passionate enthusiast rather than it's not work well, it's not work yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Sorry, not work yeah. like you do work at the moment yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not work like my work with the NHS at the something moment. you love it's something that I love and something that it will I can't put down really right um oh, okay yeah. one of the ways is uh working in one-to-one -one sessions with a thing a practice called dream tending oh yeah yeah 
Dream Tending. I don't tending. know if you've heard of that. Well, I've only heard of it because I texted you yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I have heard, you know, I've heard you talk about it before, but I have, I've never sort of gone down the rabbit hole because I yeah. kind of thought, wow, that all sounds very interesting, but I've never sort of, it's never hooked me completely. Yes, yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you yeah, on this because yeah. I was going to think this would be a really good opportunity find out what are you up to <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so i know that you use that phrase dream tending and that's much more about um not interpreting and actually i mean it sounds more like we're going back to a sort of garden reference it's mm. sort of like oh, i'm in the garden of dreams mm. what, what are we doing here so yeah so so it's I, there is an element of interpretation in a dream tending session so it's not to it's not to negate the the value of interpretation and association and personal um relationship with dream in terms uh-huh. of your own psyche and what's going on in your own world because that's really true and valuable and real and helpful yeah um but i think what the difference between dream tending practices and uh, dream analysis in a more traditional way is that we're working with the idea that the dreams have their own aliveness mm-hmm. that they are unique and the symbols the animals the landscapes the, the visitors uh, the objects that are in that dream landscape that might turn up for you uh, yeah. every night or some nights have their own innate intelligence they have their own um, imaginal gifts. Amazing. And when we work uh, exploring dreams, we're working with the idea that they they didn't just happen then, that they're actually alive and happening now. So we, we, we might open up a dream and a bit, I suppose, a bit similar to the practice of active imagination, maybe in some yeah. ways, although I, I haven't experienced it very much. So we, like a sort of, you could have, you could have, it's not just about like what I dream at night. There's uh, in my unconscious or what's coming mm. from my unconscious. There's something about like this is a, 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 a kind of world that is open to us at all times. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's not just this nighttime thing. Yeah. So it's so that so it's a world that we can you know in a dream tending session we might open up a dream and start to explore who's visiting. Uh, you know, if if C is visiting or Tiger is visiting or, you know, small girl or whatever is visiting, what makes that C unique in particular? Mm. And what might that C or Tiger or whatever, um, what might its innate intelligence want to uh, communicate to us yeah. rather than what do I think that means uh, in yeah, relationship so to my journey? Yeah, sure. So it's not like people coming to you to kind of go, what do you think this means? Like, yeah. I had a dream about the sea. And yeah, we ask sea. You, you asked, know. right, right. We, 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 so it's, it's, there's a lot of, we get into relationship yeah. with the, the, the landscape and the content of the dream and find out what that innate imaginal intelligence might be offering us, speaking to us, speaking through us in a way that makes it sometimes easier to go further than our own capacity to decide what it means yes you know and so we take ourselves uh, out of the center of the dream so we're, we you know I, I it's it's a less individualistic perspective and in terms of the wider you know our, our wider relationship with the planet 
I think that's really, really valuable. <laughs> I think that's really valuable. <laughs> it's so amazing that you talk about. It. I've been reading a book, Waking Dreams, yeah. um, uh, and the, and it's some, there's something similar in what you're saying about um, how when kind of Freud came up with this idea, you know, like sort of metaphor of, you know, the human beings a little bit like a steam train, you know, like with this sort of, kind of mechanical thing, that actually all the parts within that uh, can be fixed by this kind of egoic self that is kind of right. It's a bit like colonization of the self, you know, like mm. going out to the world and colonizing all these parts and saying, no, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, rather than, and what I'm hearing you say is like, mm. we take ourselves, that part of ourselves, out so it's all kind of equal as a democracy mm. an internal democracy mm. which sounds mm. much more um alive doesn't it rather than going yeah. out and colonizing these parts and make them better or something yeah and we need i think we need that i certainly feel like you know our, our the the model of individual individualistic yeah behavior and yeah. way of walking through the world and imagining uh, that you know the, the the human experience on the planet has more value and more importance than the non-human world yeah um that's kind of and part we, of why we're in that trouble right yeah in this trouble <laughs> so there's something about you know absolutely that sort of but that balance of of uh, internal landscape and then and then from a much um Thinking about it in a much more oh god, there's a massive seagull on your window. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Hello, my, non other than human world. That's my little visitor that comes. So we would say, it. yeah, if that if this was a dream, we'd we'd really think, you know, seagulls visiting. Yeah. Right now, you know, what has what might seagull have to say? You'll you probably know? hear him in a minute. He'll he'll say <laughs> it very loudly. <laughs> we're, we're, we're listening. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's um, yeah, mate. So taking notice kind of like the psychopathology of everyday life it's sort of a bit like i mean i always go back to like psychotherapy references because mm. you know that's kind of where my focus is but it's like the 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 sort of young thing where it's like you're sitting talking to a patient and then a bird flies mm. into the window and it's like well oh, it's not just a random thing there's a, like we can say there's a connection to mm. that what's you know that the that the, the the sort of environment includes or reflects what's going on internally yeah yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> and, and and you know and i suppose one of the one of the really um one of the things i love or, or have experienced a lot of surprising opening in in as you know when i'm working with other people on on the dreams they bring or the dreams that bring them because uh, <laughs> they do you the know i always say them. what dream brings you here is always the question rather wow. than because the dreams tend to choose when people say, "I don't know what what I what dream shall I bring," I just say, "Well, you'll know." Yeah, you'll know because it will let you know. But sometimes what happens is we'll end up exploring, like, you know, how in dreams you might have a a, a very um, a very obvious figure in front of you, or a very obvious mountain or volcano or sea, whatever. Yeah. And then there's a kind of there are peripheral oh, yeah. uh, people or peripheral animals, or sometimes what will happen is we'll just begin to explore what's going on there and yeah. sometimes what comes through those visitors is much more profound than what comes through the ones that we face the sort of obvious yeah yeah which so, is a bit like life I which guess, is a bit it? like life yeah it's like the stuff that we keep in the periphery that we don't yeah. particularly want to look at but we know it's there 
So it's becoming really curious and, and, and widening awareness to what that, that imaginal space is holding. And Yeah. Um, wow. What a process. So, I mean, so in terms of like what that looks like, the dream brings someone. The dream will bring someone. Yeah. Yeah. And they... And it's usually someone who's kind of like searched you out or or they or they know what you're up to or at the moment because I'm quite recently trained in yeah. you know and I and there's there's you know I could train and train and train and I really want to because it's <laughs> lovely level. being a student in yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I love> it. <laughs> so at the moment I've been you know offering it as a a way to get my practice who you tra- who did you train with so I trained with um there's a guy called Stephen Eisenstadt oh right oh yeah and he is um he was the founder of Pacifica Graduate Institute with James Hillman so he's oh. he's of that lineage oh. of kind of Hillman and Jung and yeah. um Marion Woodman so lots of him no oh, I don't know Marion Woodman ah, so she's very Oh um, she um a Jungian analyst as well or? She's a Jungian and she's yeah. very her passion and her telos is very much towards you know, well, you know, Jungian, uh, but also the body, you uh-huh. know, the body in individuation and particularly how dreams work through the body. So the somatics of dreaming. Wow. And, uh, so that's his kind of. Um, yeah. So you've done you've done this training with him. Uh, Stephen, yeah. What's his name? Stephen Eisenstadt. Yeah. 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 And. Um, oh, I see. So and, and so part of what you you do is then you kind of as a a student of that then you go and find people or they find you yeah to, pra- to, to practice. practice yeah yeah to practice with um so that's where I'm at at the moment and then there's a kind of you know there's another there's another layer of um uh training in the autumn is there which I would love you know re- which goes even deeper what is it so it's really, you know, so Stephen Eisenstadt talks, I don't think it's he invented the term, but he talks about, you know, we have our unconscious, the collective unconscious. Yeah. Uh, he talks about the world unconscious. So this is the idea that um, perhaps, you know, when we're, when we're dreaming about the land, when we're dreaming about the mountains or the sea or the animals, that actually perhaps what's happening, so it's working with this sort of supposing that it's dreaming us. Oh, you know, lovely. That as uh, in, as as fellow inhabitors of the planet, that you know, it, that's the way the landscape communicates to us, especially in this time of great ecological change. I mean, that seems much more in line with, you know, how the sort of ancient ancients would probably tune into that. Is that kind of thing? It reminds me of the sort of thing, you know, like the Aboriginals sort of you know conceiving it it's like yeah we're this is the dream time we are in part mm. of the dream time mm. and actually again the, the egoic thing is to sort of say oh no we're yeah we're the center of it all and then yeah. that kind of happens on the side yeah rather than yeah we're all part of this thing and yeah. actually it's like also maybe a bit off topic but it's like that kind of idea that you know we have a soul and actually rather than no the soul kind of has us like mm. like the soul is this big thing and then there's like this tiny nut of us our physical thing you know so we're kind of contained within that I quite like that mm. idea it's such a relief that yeah. thought I think both of those thoughts I feel a real sense of relief when I yeah when when I hear or sense that white that widening wider picture yeah 
that what's the relief for you in that uh that it's that it's held and that there's a sense of interconnectivity and and a, and a largeness right. you know that it's because actually you know working from an individualistic point of view has yeah. is quite lonely and yeah. <laughs> and feels quite like there's a there's a lot of directional I think I'm sort of like going to start talking rubbish now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, this is part of yeah. it, isn't it? It's what like what getting, is it? It's, we don't know where we're going, but... Yeah, it's... it's. Um, I sort of get the sense that what you're trying to say is like yeah. there's a male aspect, which is like d- linear, or we could look at it through yes, the lens of yeah. ma- um, d- feminine, masculine. <laughs> yeah. And the masculine is like, I have an idea where I'm going, that is it, and, yeah, and I yeah. will go on my mission. Whereas the feminine is like, let's just be the sea and kind of, mm. <laughs> you know, like not know our direction. Mm. and But also know that we're connected, you know, we'll that know there's that a great sense a larger... of connected, connectivity. Um, yeah. And so when I think about, you know, the landscape, whether it's through dreaming or, or through waking world, being part of our relation and, our, you know, part of our ancestry yeah. and part of our family, it, that's what brings a great sense of relief that uh-huh. we're not just on on the planet we are we're yeah. of it and with it and yeah rather than oh my god it's just yeah. a tiny little me yeah. who's got to like and make it, things happen and if it's communicating through us you know and whether that's through somatic experiencing when you're out in nature or whether that's through dreams and it comes in dreams expressing what it needs what it wants where it might want you to go to to take you know to, to make dream activism practices happen you know I, I, that, dream activism yes yes <laughs> that sounds cool <laughs> so listening again it sort of comes back to the listening doesn't it it's like what am I being asked how do I listen will I take listen to me so much dreams and listening to dreams and having uh, having that uh, capacity to take them seriously and likely enough to take action and to yeah. hear what they say has become a kind of a closed door yeah. you know this crossing back and forth between the dream state and the waking world used to be a lot easier yeah and the same with the psychedelic world you know yeah, what we yeah, yeah. you know how uh, Jennifer Dumper who's an amazing um author who wrote a book called liminal dreaming mm-hmm. 
uses this term inter- interdimensional smuggling <laughs> which is what that, does that mean? so so for me it's that kind of it's that idea of kind of crossing back and forth between the waking and the dreaming worlds because ah. you can you can bring stuff through that dreaming world into the waking world but equally you can use the waking world to to uh, intentionally incubate dreams and ask the dream space for answers wisdom you know what what that you can kind of seed the dreaming space with intentional dreaming. I see what you mean. So kind of the same when you say psychedelics, you mean like the same thing in terms of um, setting up an intention, a possible intention or or uh, listening for a certain message. Mm. Um, I love that. Smuggling. She calls it, she refers to it as interdimensional smuggling. Right. I mean, I kind of, (laughs) again, if I relate that to psychotherapy, Mm. I think that's what we're all doing because we've got this kind of conscious us and then the unconscious us and actually all that stuff in the unconscious that's trying to emerge mm. you know but this conscious part of us is like going no 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 actually no I, I would rather not I'd rather not have that in my consciousness you know in some ways we need to irrigate so I kind of often see it as like a, a castle you know and we're standing on the other side of the castle kind of going right I need to work out how to um, smuggle some of this unconscious material over mm. without the the shame guards noticing because as soon as the shame guards notice they'll just like push it all back down mm. inside and go no 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 back to normal please mm. and then and then and I suppose that also relates to what you said about like the conscious re- like the the conscious reality that we live in is very rational coming mm. back to that thing you said about rational so it's like come on now don't be weird let's all be normal and rational and and that's why we end up in this sort of sanitized mm. Mm. kind of vision of the world, like yeah. just buying new trainers and brown food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, I like brown food. Well, you know, like yeah. <laughs> beige food, yeah. just processed, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Because it's risky, you know, I think that, you know, in ca- encountering the other and encountering uncertainty and things that we we can't pin meaning onto yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah it feels i think can feel really risky yeah oh yeah you know but that's the point isn't it absolutely yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah so does it feel so so how do you um hang out there and the, i mean i guess you have to sort of find a way to hang out on the edge of, of that of the, of the of the sort of the mystical mm. unknown well, what, what the, I did a little bit of training with um, uh, Formica Colorado, who is uh, one of the dreaming teachers, mentors at Damanhur, oh, which Damanhur. is an eco-spiritual, uh, time-travelling, some would say, community in Italy. Oh, my God. I mean, I'll put links to Damanhur, I mean, because we could do another whole podcast <laughs> we could about do a just whole them. Pod- but they are, that is an incredible place. T- uh, the seventh wonder of the world. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. temples in a mountain. And Incredible. and built from dream, so yes, you know, they they dug this. The story goes, they dug this, began to dig with their hands in the earth because, um, what was his name? Alberto. Alberto had a dream that they needed to build temples into the side of an Italian <laughs> mountain, and so they just stuck their hands in the soil and Get started going. to dig. Yeah. and that was a dream, and now it is a cathedral-sized hidden temple in the middle of an Italian mountain yeah and so they're hugely influenced by dream are they yeah and she talked 
she talked a lot about um, Formica oh, Colorado, Formica, yeah. who's the dreaming mentor there, who, who learned from Alberto. Uh, she talks a lot about the fracture line between waking and dreaming. Oh. You know, that they use that that, that that crossing point between the two states, yeah. whether it's dreaming and waking or, you know, psychedelics and, and yeah. waking or conscious, and, unconscious. Yeah, yeah, those states that it used to be easier to cross back and forth. And it used to be very um, in lots of different cultures, usual to cross yeah. back and forth. But there's there's this fracture line between the two and it's become harder Right. To do that, and less usual, especially in the Western world. Yeah. So consensus reality and non-consensus yeah. reality is like big lines drawn. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. Let's just. Um, well, it always amazes me actually when you think about how long the concept of the unconscious has been around in the Western world. It's not that long. You know what I mean? Mm. Sort of Freud and Jung coming mm. up with this thing just over a hundred years mm. ago. It's like, and they were, you know, it's like witchcraft. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. But actually, yeah, you look back thousands of years. And it's it's there in our mm. history, in our DNA, mm. and it's actually just something we're reclaiming, right? Rather than yeah, yeah. And that's the you know I think that's her her view on it, which I tend to agree with. Is that mm. that can be the role, or certainly the that the placeholders that stand on the fracture line are often uh, artists, shaman, people that take psychedelics, people that uh, have spiritual breakthroughs yeah you know that 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 that's where people that have the capacity to stand on that fracture line and communicate with both sides um are the ones that make it possible to keep doing that yeah um but it's not always easy well no and it comes back to what you were talking about at the beginning about leonora carrington and that that sort of idea that you know what do you how, how do you have a spiritual emergency and and allow that to be there and be held within it and mm. also then let come through what needs to come through mm. you know in i suppose in these tribal villages not to sort of like just say oh all the tribe people have it right or whatever but there's some certain things about what mm. they believe and the the way they live we could definitely learn from in mm. terms of like yeah someone has a what we would call a psychotic break or a spiritual emergency and it's mm. like oh oh you've been called by the the gods or by the whatever mm. let's we'll we'll help you listen to that mm. and i think that's you know and and, and I, I hear what you're saying about you know it's easy to keep saying you know that they, that they had it right back then but i i think that's really the work that you do and have done and are doing around integration yeah and community it, that is what that work is isn't it is that you know the the similarity between those two things is we it, it's hard to do it on your own we need a community whether it's a tribe yeah, connection or yeah. an integration circle yeah. or a dream circle it's much harder to do those things on your own to have an isolated experience so that leads us into the dream matrix ah yeah because that's something else that i know that you sent mm. me around or that's on your website around this community community dreaming or con- or collective group, collective, yeah. collective dreaming social dreaming wow yeah. tell us a bit about yeah. that so so obviously you know again talk thinking about you know ancient peoples and and not so ancient peoples sharing dreams in community isn't new and ha- and was often used as a as a as a way to pull collective wisdom about what might be coming you know in tribes and uh-huh. whatever but so, social dream in particularly um uh is a way of working with dreams in community where uh you, you meet together 
and again you were working with the idea that it's that the dreams are there in their own right right so you, so you in terms of what it looks like so yeah. a, lot, uh, a few people a group of people all meet together in the physical in the same physical space yeah it can be physical space or it's it works really well online as well so right right during yeah, the well pandemic it, i had well to this do is it isn't it i suppose it's like if you look yeah. at um quantum physics yeah you can fold time and space so yeah. you can all be there together whether <laughs> yeah. we're in, in together or you're on the other side of the world yeah, yeah. yeah. all right yeah so yeah so a group of people come together um and they so so in a social dreaming matrix uh you share dreams in a completely non-interpretative way so the idea is that you bring the dream and the dream is there in its own right and it's a space for dreams to speak to dreams so i might share a dream and then you might share another dream and someone else might share a dream and then we start to share um associations to the dreams so my dream ceases for that period of time you know my dream about the sea it's coming up a lot mm-hmm. today because I had a big dream about the sea last night <laughs> so you know my dream about the sea might mean something extremely specific for me in my own process but in the process of a matrix in that space we associate it to it all together so it has a multiplicity of meaning mm. and then we start to look at the links and patterns that uh, get created by these dreams together so they create a kind of lattice work a patchwork of meaning and associations and i might remind someone of a film about the sea mm. and sl- and slowly you get this yeah you get like a, a a kind of a patchwork of meaning and then spend some time at the end of an hour of just associating and sharing dreams and associating and sharing dreams looking at what it, what is that that we've all created right um right so this collective thing that we've 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 created this big thing here, yeah. or we've we've uh, described and felt into what this thing is. Yeah. Now, now we look at it and kind of be curious about mm. it. So it's a kind of you know it's called a, I suppose it's called a sense making session in some in some terms, um, and it has this way of Gordon. I think he's called Anderson. Apologise if I've forgotten his last name because. I think he's called Gordon Anderson, who who who's created the idea of social dreaming. Uh-huh. He calls um, what happens often as the unthought known that this this the dreams tend to kind of um, they draw out of everybody's collective and personal unconscious this um, this these whispers on the edges of our collective thinking which we might not be able to communicate uh, rationally uh-huh. in conversation but by speaking in the poetic language of dream and association wow we can sometimes bring through what yeah what's on the very outer edges of our collective thinking processes so in terms of um finding new ways of thinking about solutions i'm thinking about climate change a lot at the moment mm. uh, or or even in a in a in a system or a workplace or a, a group of people it will bring through the quieter voices mm. that can speak through dream but might not speak through rational thought so mm-hmm. it's an amazing way of um yeah i mean again i suppose that there's something about like yeah like how do you i kind of see see what you're or understand what you're saying as a kind of um, 
uh, well, a facilitator in terms of the the inter what did, what did you call it interdimensional smuggling, <laughs> kind of like how how do you? F- I sort of imagine that your acting background helps with that, like the imaginal bit to be able to like trust to be in the imaginal space mm. and that that be. I mean, it's quite shamanistic, really, isn't it? If you think about it, it's like you let in the imaginal realm and the dream realm and the way that you express that kind of all be okay all be accepted all be brought through Mm. and none of it sort of judged or um denied Mm. or kind of rationalized Mm. and interpreted Mm. perhaps i think it's such a relief not to be you know i think for dreams if we imagine that dreams are their own are their own beings yeah yeah you know, which I really do. Lovely I hold that so dearly that yeah. they have they are their own thing. Um I think the I think there is such relief in not interpreting and pinning meaning. I think I've said that already today, but I Well really yeah, but it's an important thing point to make, isn't it? I mean I suppose from my own experience, you know, I don't necessarily and maybe this is because I'm kinda of caught in the rational side of it or or I just sort of decided that uh that they're not that important or something's happened where I kind of wake up mm. and I I know that I've been dreaming but I don't hold on to it mm-hmm. you know so so I'm very quickly into my sort of rational world I guess you know and there's been times when I sort of kept a notebook by my bed and had the intention of um remembering and it, and it worked you know there's more things come but then I I suppose I've come much more from that that place of like, well, I wonder what that meant, and who? Mm. Oh, that was obviously me in the dream, feeling worried about this, and da da da. And then it sort of, mm. I think, like you say, calcifies it, mm. and then there's nowhere to go with it. Yeah. So there doesn't seem much point in doing it the next night or the next mm. night, you know. Whereas what what I'm taking from what you're saying is like, they are their own being, and their own message mm. messengers, and maybe like we just need to take out our own mm. egoic relationship to them. I think kind of I, I I think well we can yeah. we don't have to but right, we right. can there's no rule you know and yeah. I, you know there are dreams that I'm working with now that I've been working with for ten years oh right okay that are, they're like friends you yeah. know you know how you deepen relate like we do you deepen relationship yeah. with people that you meet and encounter and you might meet them and think oh that's a nice person and then the next time you might have coffee and the next time you might oh, find nice. out how they feel and so it's a relationship it's really relational you know and and working with them through art or sound or ah. the or, or the body move like recreating dream movements even that simple practice of finding a movement that turned up in a dream and then practicing it in waking life will bring something through the body because the body holds the innate intelligence of the dream that you can't process in any other way apart from through your own muscle bone movement breath you know so they have so much um to offer yeah if you continue to be in relationship with them you just reminded me of um a book i read about lucid dreaming Mm. What, what are your thoughts on lucid dreaming I mean, it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because you you mentioned that you can there's actions or physical things, yeah. and I was just remembering that actually, the way there was a, a some sort of trick or way to do this thing where you kind of look at your hand throughout the day, and say, "Am I dreaming?" And you look at your hand, mm-hmm. "Am I dreaming?" And you do that throughout the, your waking day, 
and then so at night you'll do it again but you'll look at your hand and you'll have like six fingers or something so you'll know that you're dreaming yeah. and that you can suddenly wake up and direct the dream yeah yeah and have has it happened for you have you i think i've had i mean i've you know over the years i've had moments of the the sort of flying thing oh. but not flying like it's not never easy mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's more like um someone who's trying to run and flap and just sort of (laughs) doing big jumps and then every now and then it'd be like oh no it's working it's working and then like flying and then it's sort of then you come back down again Mm. you know so there's a sense that actually not just like oh here I am flying Mm. above and da 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 it's more like effort so you know I'm already interpreting that in my head it was like oh yeah what does that mean what does effort say about me what does flying (laughs) say about me but that's okay too you know that's the first layer of thinking isn't it that's the first layer of curiosity a lot of the time feel like I'm just flapping and trying to take off and then I'm sort of coming back down with a bump and then trying to flap again yeah but then what would happen if you kind of amplified that flap in the waking world and you know Arnold Mildell who wrote Shaman's Body who's Obviously, hugely, yeah, world work, process work, hugely into the somatics of dreaming. So he would really get you to sort of just flap. Do that in the waking. Yeah, flap and amplify, and then see like what is what what is that? What is what is that bringing into my body? You know. Yeah, that's interesting actually because I've been doing a movement thing recently, like sort of more based on Tai Chi, you know, rather than the kind of like hit, kind of male linear strength thing I've kind of got into the Tai Chi thing it is much more like waves and much more flappy (laughs) feminine kind of yeah so there might be something connected there as well like how to take off in a different way And, and Tara Ali, I, th- I don't know if you've ever come across his work, yeah. so he's wrote so many things. The Eight Circuits The Eight thing, Circuit Brain it? and um, Angel Tech. And yeah. He's got an amazing um, practice. Again, it's not he didn't invent it, but it's part of his work, where you find a dream movement and you recreate it and you just practice it throughout the day for a couple of days. And then you, f- then you pick one from another dream 
and then you put them together and you create a sequence of dream movements from your own dreams oh, and create amazing. a dance. It's called the dream dream body ritual. Wasn't there a Netflix series that had that? The OA. The OA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That got cancelled. I was really that annoyed got... about that. It was such yeah. a good series. Yeah. That was beautiful. And they all kind of had to find their part of it and repeat it. Oh, yeah. it was go- beautiful. And then they unlocked yeah. imaginal territories. Other dimensions. Which is absolutely the work of Dream Tech, you know. It's oh, why did that get cancelled? Bring back the OA. Too, too much wisdom. <laughs> too much wisdom. Too, we can't handle it. Yeah, let's stick with the rational. <laughs> let's stick with uh, Game of Thrones. That's much easier. We're going to kill you and then we're going to kill you. I don't know, actually. I've just started watching Game of Thrones because someone told me don't be stupid, watch Game of Thrones. And I was kind of thinking, well, I haven't really got enough time to invest. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to go, but actually, I just, you know, actually, why is it so popular? And what, what you know, it must be good. So I'm kind of um, investigating that at the moment. Anyway, Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, you were wondering about what I thought about lucid dreaming. Yeah, lucid and, dreaming, yes. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. And it's yeah, it's something I've I've experienced a couple of times, and it ha- it has you know it blew my mind as much as psychedelics. You know that yeah. kind of awakening into the realizing that you're actually dreaming it yeah. was as extraordinary as if it would happen right now in this moment. It's so shocking. To I found it so shocking to consciousness. Really. Um, and it's it never lasts very long when I experience it. Um, the moments of it happening. Moments of it, and then. I had an experience where I was so shocked by waking up, I think I was flying, that I fell out of the dream. Oh, my God. And I fell into this entirely different space, which was not awake space, nor was it dream space. So it was like a a visionless state of consciousness that was completely... The only way I can describe it was completely empty and completely full. It had everything in it although I could see and feel nothing. It was extraordinary realm to be in. And I was in there for quite a while. It sounds, I mean, I get, I keep coming to references of films and things, Mm. but it's like the inception. So Mm. obvious, isn't it? But there's that place, I can't remember what they call it right at the end where they're sort of there. It's like, yeah, yeah. It sounds kind of like that a little bit. And there are these territories in dreamings. There was a, there's oh. a woman that was doing a study at Glasgow University, I forget her name, and she was looking particularly at, ex- at experiences of that state because yeah. it happens in meditation, oh. it happens in uh, psychedelic experience, and it can happen in dreaming. Uh-huh. So she's looking at the kind of the layers and levels of consciousness that are, and, and just getting a sense of where trying to map them in some way fascinating and so I read some of the people's experiences that were also part of that study and was just it was so it felt so unique to me that space but actually it was shared it's a shared space so lucid dreaming for me I think what I find most curious about it or certainly the thing I've looked at most is um it in the context of dream yoga who Uh uh there's a guy called Andrew Holchek uh-huh. Who's a Buddhist uh, teacher, who who works with lucid dreaming as preparation for uh, crossing from death into whatever next. Mm-hmm. So a way of um, of practicing awareness and awakeness. 
so very similar to the sort of psychedelic work with psilocybin death anxiety yeah maybe yeah. i don't know much about that but it's certainly to, to so that consciousness doesn't get so shocked yeah. as it crosses over right. that's very buddhist as well isn't it yeah the sort of uh, ramdasi thing around mm. yeah like how how to let go of the of being in a tight shoe rather than kind of like oh fuck mm. here we go and that's the i suppose what he was talking about yeah like how uh, when gandhi got shot and he just fell to the floor going, Ram, you know, and it's sort of that, even in that kind of act of violence, mm. he was sort of so ready and so to let go in that way. Mm. Wow. So lucid dreaming for that. Well, because it can be, you know, obviously it's extraordinarily Not, fun and you, yeah, know, yeah. you can do anything and you can go anywhere and you can fly. And these are kind of the brilliant training, explorative things to be able to do. Yeah. But much like life, I suppose, the more you practice things like that and then you can think and what else what else yeah do you know i know oh, i can't remember his name david something lives in santa cruz written some books on jay david jay david jay yeah. yeah yeah david jay brown i don't know him but i know his work yeah. wow yeah so i read a few of his books and he talks about lucid dreaming and how um in the dream because he's got a whole fascination with psychedelics as well and a whole kind of connection with that how in a lucid dream you could take acid and trip in your so you don't actually have to actually yeah. take anything you just go into the dream wake up in the dream take take mm. it have a hallucinate have a, a an experience mm. like that and then wake up in the morning and Amazing. you've done your you've had your I mean, it's just like levels and levels. Amazing. I mean, that is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I've had experience of that, not in a not lucid way. Uh huh. But back oh, to really? Alistair Flu- Fruish. Yeah. He let he lent me. He didn't lend me. He gave me a, a very strong uh, medicine plant, which I don't. I don't take psychedelics. Right. It's a bit all a bit. It's a bit too fast for my consciousness. <laughs> right. I can't seem to handle it. Sounds like That's you're doing I it do anyway dreaming. in the dream world. Yeah. But I slept next to this. Um, I think it was a detora plant. I slept, I, I slept next to it and oh. um, one of the leaves fell off. So I had a chat with a plant before I fell asleep and I said, look, you know, <laughs> I'm Kate. <laughs> this is me. I sort of kind of introduced myself to the plant being. And I said, you know, if there's anything that you you would like to communicate, I'd love to. I'm not going to take you because I'm a bit, you know, I, I just sensitive. That's, that's not my bag. Yep. And I put the leaf under my pillow and sure enough, I I woke up inside the dream and had a psychedelic experience. Oh my not, god! Not a very long one. Yeah. But enough to go. Oh yeah! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Well, no, it's, oh, it's a way. <laughs> it's a way. It's sorry, a way. Yeah. So definite. That's the way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, but, it's fascinating to talk to you. Um, what? So. We could, I mean, we could keep talking about this forever, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> so, wh- how do people find you? What I mean, are you open in that way to yeah. people bringing like their their dreams are going to come and find you? Yeah, get if the dreams want to come and find me, I'm at dreamfishingsociety.com. Something or other. We'll I put think up it's a link. Com. Yeah. Put a link. Yeah. Um, and also, I just want to mention because we were talking just before we started this interview or chat uh, about. Um, some music you've been doing and I just kind of wanted to put I mean yeah we're, we're, we've probably heard it by now because <laughs> I'll, I'll be interspersing that throughout this episode time travel so yeah time travel <laughs> there we go so um is there anything to say about that 
that piece of music yeah. that you sent me that is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's quite another big thing, I guess, in your world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it, this is... I, I haven't written many songs. This is one of mine. Th- I think it's probably my third. Um, and the the lyrics from the piece... So the piece is called, obviously called Here To Go. Uh, and what happened was a really dear friend of ours who you know very well as well, and maybe people that are Claudia Bolton. Claudia Bolton, yeah. Claudia Egypt, yeah. uh, died just yeah, about a year and a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I, lots of people started to uh, dream of her re- really close to when she died. She was really super present, both in waking world and in dreaming world. So as I have a, you know, deep passion uh, with collective and community dreaming and she was very much part of our dreaming community as well we shared dream mm. with her a lot I wasn't surprised she turned up No. Uh, so I gathered the dreams together and just put them in a, an open source document so that everybody could just read what that experience was because it was really she was profoundly present very visible very somatically mm-hmm. sense, sensing visible um, and then I it became I, I I wove some of the words into a poem, so I used the dreamer's words. Yeah. Uh, and then Lisa Lovebucket, who uh, was uh, is part of Toxteth Day of the Dead uh, in Liverpool, put a call out to create a, uh, for an, any uh, offerings for an album that they're making, and so I made it into a song, and so that song is woven completely from dream words. Is it all the lyrics? are from people's dreams of Claude. Wow. Yeah. So I'll put a link to that and also we would have heard some of it throughout the episode yeah. if that's all right. Yeah. Something else? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Did you like that communication is, yeah, you, tool there? Yeah, you've passed. You get your certificate in advanced communication. <laughs> Something else. And what else are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and, and why do we say that? We say that because if we say... Is there anything else? It's closing down yeah, technique, people right? tend to say that. And there is, even even if you say any, anything else, rather, there's something about something else yeah. that seems to help people uh, reach into a different realm of yeah. their thinking and say, no, there isn't. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else. I think I mean, I'm all pretty, out of dream. There's quite a lot there, to be honest. And it's been really fascinating yeah, to really chat to lovely. you. Yeah, really lovely. Yeah, really love hearing about what you've got. To, and, I'm, and I, you know, and also just at the end there you know there's so much more isn't there you've mentioned Toxic Day of the Death and uh, Day of the Dead and there's a whole other thing to go into there and there's a whole Dam and Her thing to go into and maybe we'll do it again yeah love to alright lots of love thank Thanks. you dreamer you only have to That's where you feel the suchness of her love.
Welcome back and thank you for listening to that episode of me talking with Kate Alderton. I think you'll agree, a pretty interesting conversation, dream tending, the dream matrix, social dreaming matrix, all really cool stuff. And um, of course, Kate's song interspersed throughout that. In fact, here she is uh, talking about that song, just to give you a little bit more information and there'll be links in the show notes. The melody for the the song kind of appeared in my yeah just sort of arrived one day and just and sort of took up residence in my in my inner ear and uh, I don't make music I don't write, I don't play an instrument or anything so I took it to Tim my partner Tim Arnold who is a singer songwriter and producer of music and also a music mentor he's really got a really amazing way of working with where people are at and uh and he listened and and we started to talk about what the sound might be like and then he started to create this this music and arrangement around the melody that I'd brought to him which is you know really there are bits of my dream inside the um, lyrics and the music that Tim has made is sounds like the landscape of what I dreamed, which is an an, uh, an amazing thing to be able to do, and I really love it. And um, and actually, when we first met, we worked on a project together, his album Constellations, which was a real. Uh, conversation between dreaming and music so we had these huge long talks and really um, dove into lots of different ways of dreaming together and then he would go away and write in the night and then come back and play me the music and then I would listen to the music and then fall asleep and uh, and then I'd make artwork for the album from the dreams that I had when I was listening to his music so it's really lovely to return to that conversation together um yeah a massive thank you to kate and also well done to tim a beautiful piece of music also i must say that since recording that episode i have been noticing my dreams a lot more and i've been writing them down and i even got a text from my kind of half brother this morning and he said hey you were in my dream last night. You were teaching me this uh, quite. Uh, you were teaching me this um, meditation, secret meditation technique, uh, like yin yoga thing, uh, by visualizing on a big giant metal statue. And then we went to see it somewhere near Newcastle. I thought that's cool, man. I'm traveling to other people's dreams now as well as remembering my own. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. (laughs) We'll see when the next episode comes out. I'm sure it'll be sooner than a year. But um, just look after yourselves and spread the love, people. And uh, thanks for listening.